0: In a time of deep division and confusion, we need a voice of reason and truth, a voice calling us to unity. Join us as we explore the issues and tough questions facing the body of Christ today. We certainly don't always agree, but through constructive, loving, and open-hearted dialogue, we're seeking the unity of the Spirit, a unity that isn't afraid to disagree, a unity that doesn't demand conformity. This is the Building Bridges Podcast. The conversation starts now.
1: Hey, welcome to episode three of Building Bridges. Excited to have you here. Uh, just at the start, I want to remind everybody that, you know, this podcast, Building Bridges, is really meant uh, to demonstrate that Christians can disagree over some pretty important issues and yet remain, as Paul said, unified in the spirit through the bond of peace. Um, so we want the world to be able to know us by our love for one another um, and our love for one another, loving each other well, even in the midst of, uh, disagreement. So this is our opportunity to contribute to those conversations and have those, uh, discussions that can at times be, uh, uncomfortable, but they're good. And, you know, it's, it's nothing new. This is how you know, Christian tradition has been advancing for, for, for many years. Um, it's important to note that we're not here keeping score. We're not checking winners and losers. You won that argument. You lost that argument. Rather, we are here with ears to listen for understanding. Um, and just really to listen well. Um Of course, if someone says something that raises a question, we are going to, you know, poke and prod, you know, as iron sharpens iron in an attempt to just, you know, gain clarity, gain under, understanding and just purify the body that way. Um And again, this is not something that's foreign to the development of the Christian tradition. We've been hammering out our practices and beliefs for a very long time through situations just like this. Um, so we're here to just dis- to showcase the disagreement is healthy, and it's normal, and also to provide a safe honoring space for people to get outside of their uh, normal, mm, you know, groups of friends and their echo chambers, so to speak, and to hear others uh, that might, you know, have a different viewpoint and a different vantage point, but they recognize them as a fellow brother and sister in the Lord. So, just real quick, in summary of kind of where we've been these last couple weeks, as we started with the of prophets and and presidents. And we had Chris Valatin and Kim Moss and Mark Sharona, and it was amazing. And and we talked about a lot of the stuff that went on in the the prophetic movement leading up to uh, the election of Trump. And uh, then we got through, you know, Dr. Sharona's, uh, contributions. We got on some Christian nationalism and then fortunately he had to go and a lot of you were had questions and were wondering, did he say what I think he said? So we brought him back and we did a deeper dive with him on Christian nationalism and that was an amazing episode um, filled with, you know, a lot of people I know who, who've commented that they've never heard a charismatic, prophetic voice say the things um that he was saying. So I know that was eye-opening at the very least, even if ultimately, you know, you, you come down and it differently than than he does it's important to to, to hear him and, and listen to his uh, side there um in connection with that we had a lot of you reach out and said you know there's some other voices we'd love to love to hear from some of them are on the show today i just want to make mention uh because we did have some marketing material that go out one of them that um you guys brought up a lot particularly around the christian nationalism topic and we got into some covenant with america stuff um was Dutch Sheets. Uh, Unfortunately, he is not able to be here uh, with us today, but he did um, send us an email and say that he recognizes how important these conversations are. Uh, Some of these uh, topics are not only really charged right now, uh, but also they're very you know difficult and would take two to three hours probably to walk through sort of the the biblical and the extra biblical sources uh, so to talk about those. But it is something that he I think is intending to do. So definitely check out DutchSheets.org and he's got a podcast there. He's doing amazing stuff. I mean, he is obviously a father in the faith, but also the intercessory prayer movement. Um, I was you know talking with my dad earlier. Besides Reese Howe, I don't know anyone who's been more um, impactful for for me personally um, given around the topic of intercessory prayer so really want to honor him there unfortunately he's not with us today but we do have two amazing people who are um, bishop joseph garlington who is the senior pastor of covenant church in pittsburgh he's been with us uh, Pretty much almost every year, I think, at our Voice of the Apostles conference. He's amazing. Um, he's steeped in wisdom, and we're just so thankful for him to give us his time today, as well as, uh, Patricia King, who's also a regular figure at a number of our conferences, particularly our prophetic conferences. And she, you know, is doing some amazing stuff, uh, just with, you know, the missionary work and just all the stuff that she's doing online with her, uh, website and things like that that she has i know she's got a big school there and she's got a whole bunch of repository of videos it'd be great to check out and feed yourself on so they're made themselves available today and we're excited to have them so without further ado we're going to jump right in to the conversation today well thank you guys uh, for joining we're so excited to have you here we're honored that you take the time um to to do this with us today it's been a lot of fun these last couple episodes and i feel today's going to be just as fun um, so I think, you know, we had a lot of people in our tribe reaching out to us saying, you really should have on, you know, Bishop Garlandton and, and, and Patricia King. Get them here. Let's hear from them as well. Um, if you've been following along, obviously, um, Mark was was last week and he has a, a different take and a, a different sort of starting point and ending point. And so I think it would be interesting to hear kind of where you are. On on these same types of issues. So I know um, we've talked a little bit um, before we started filming here about some of these questions, and so I kind of just want to um, jump on in, if that's okay, just to be sensitive for all of your your time. And one of the things that you know we've been thinking about as we've been hashing out as a team is some you know what are the prophetic protocols going forward, especially in the twenty first century. Um, and specifically around some of the words we had, you know, Chris and Kim Moss and other people on who felt for personal reasons that the word that they'd given, you know, okay, they needed to repent. They felt for their their reasons that they that that they needed to do that. Um but not sort of condemning anyone who hadn't, just for them they needed needed to do that because they felt that the, that they had missed it from, from their perspective. Um I think one of the questions some people are, are asking is how do we judge these things or how do we know you know, at what point will we know whether these prophetic words were were right or, or or wrong? And 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 what does it mean in the 21st century to to test prophecy, if that if that makes sense? Um, so I, I'll give it to 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 Joseph first here. If you want to you know talk about any any of those sorts of things, kind of where we're at, how we got here, where we're going.
0: Okay. Again, um, I'm I'm gonna say that when I talk about about where we are in life, as I said earlier, in maybe in the, in the pre-recording conversation, that there, there's the expression that says people who refuse to learn the lessons from history are destined to repeat them. George Santiana is the guy who's credited with that statement. The, my problem as I look at the church is that somehow the church has disconnected itself from a huge part of its history, and that's the Old Testament. And that Paul writes to the Roman church and the Corinthian church, and he tells us that those stories, those illustrations, they were written to give us encouragement, to give us information, to give us uh, pathways so that we would know how to walk and how to serve God. So, those things that were written, and that's what Paul says, the things that were written before time were written for us. They were written for our instruction. So where do I go to get instruction? I don't just go to the New Testament. I, I go to the Old Testament. The Old Testament gives me, it gives me an abundance of illustrations of the prophetic. And I, I was sharing this with my wife uh, last night. When Elijah was discouraged, God told him, he says, when you leave here, you're to anoint Hazael, king over Aram. You're to anoint Jehu, king of Israel, and you're to anoint Elisha as your successor. Hazael, Jehu, Elisha. When he leaves, he, he, the first thing he does is the last thing he was told to do, and that was he put his mantle on Elisha. He doesn't do the other two because he gets caught up in this chariot of fire. So you go to 2 Kings 8, and you realize that the exact expression that God uses when he says, when you come into Damascus, you are to anoint Hazael. Well, here's how it came about. Then Hadad is sick. He says to Hazael, his associate, he says, the prophet is in town go ask him will i recover from the sickness and so hazael goes to him and and elisha looks at him he says yeah you're, you're you're he's he will recover that's exactly what i said he will recover and then he says but the lord has shown me he's going to die and so hazael is looking at him and then of course you know the story uh, Elisha's heart starts to break for the evil that he's going to see happen, or that's going to happen with Hazael, and how he is going to brutally treat Israel, uh, killing women who are pregnant with their babies in them. And, uh, and he says, how am I going to do this? Now show me that you're the king. So here is a task that God gave Elijah that Elisha had to carry out. When Elisha points him out, he says, This is what he's going to do. And then he tells us that God says, Whoever Hazael doesn't take care of, Jehu is going to take care of, but there's going to be some things that are going to be done. Now, he gets back. What did the, the prophet say? He said, You will recover. And that was the message. The following day, he takes a wet towel, puts it over his face, and he kills him. So, did he recover? did Elisha miss it? And so when Elijah does not fulfill the, the instructions like God said, go do this, do this, do this, and it's almost in the reverse order that he does that. So my wife asked the question, she said, did he disobey God? And I said, I don't believe he disobeyed God. I think we try to evaluate things on a linear basis, when prophetic words, as one of my friends say, prophecy is discursive. It can stop in the middle of something and pick up somewhere else, but when you're reading it, you think it's all going to happen at the same time, and that was the problem with the prophets who were trying to see what God was doing. So we tend to judge things, as I said, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul says, Stop passing judgment before the Kairos, not the Kranos, but the Kairos. Israel didn't miss the Kranos. They missed the Kairos. That's
1: powerful. Thank you. Patricia?
2: Um, That was very insightful, Bishop. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that. And um, also, uh, Josh and Randy, thank you so much for hosting these meetings, because I feel that conversation right now in the fear of the Lord and in respect for one another is so vital. Um, that we are able to hear each other well, we're able to, um, you know, evaluate together. So this is so good. But um, I do, you know, of course, believe as the scripture uh, says that in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, it says "Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge, let the others discern, let the others um, evaluate. And of course, in the Old Testament, we have some clear instruction on specific uh, predictive type words, Um, Out of uh, Deuteronomy 18, uh, verse 22, it says, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is a thing which the Lord has not spoken, the prophet Spoke it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him, and um, and that word afraid there is not just like you know you know being tormented by someone or or afraid that they're going to do something to you. It actually means to to actually not come in partnership or or uh, give it give it weight. And so I think these are important things that we have to look at uh, right now. So definitely prophecy. Um, today needs to be discerned and judged. Um, it says, a few uh, uh, prophesy, the others judge, discern. And so it's really, I think, important to have uh, conversations like this where we can uh, talk about those matters. But, yes, I, I totally do believe that uh, prophecies need to be judged. But also, as has already been mentioned, prophecies um, are like mysterious, there's there's mystery in the prophetic, which means there can be multiple layers of even interpretation, application, timing. I loved what Bishop said about the Kairos versus the Logos. We need to give timing on some of them, but then on others, it's 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 really. Um, Evident, like for example, if the coronavirus um, there's an outbreak of it in in the end of February, and a prophet says this virus will not affect anything, won't affect the economy, won't affect um, any death toll and will be finished in two weeks well then obviously um, you know you can you know make an evaluation on a prophecy like that or if they say it's it's finished by Pentecost or it's finished by uh, passover or Or, you know, on November the 3rd, mark my words, um, uh, Trump will be uh, uh, winning by a a landslide on that day. So if it's real specific like that, then those things definitely need to be discerned as, hey, just a minute, Uh, it was declared, the time came, the time passed, it wasn't fulfilled, and so we can make an evaluation on that. So that would be my input at this point.
1: Thank you Patricia thank you we were talking actually uh before about that very verse uh first corinthians 14 twenty nine and I'm interested to hear you know when it says let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said do you think others are other prophets or just other congregants that are there in the church the pastors what what's your thoughts on that
2: well, I think that everyone with the Holy Spirit can, um, can weigh in on a discernment. But I think especially um, you would think like the apostolic leaders or um, those that are overseeing um, the congregation where that prophetic word is being spoken, where we have challenge in this day, because I don't think there's ever been a day like today where there's so much out through social media. And so, like, um, it used to be like you could bring a word and it's within the congregation, maybe through an email, it could get posted on the Elijah list or something like that. But now it's like every day people are prophesying over the Internet, which, of course, has has its um, benefits and um, its its problems.
0: Yeah, right. a, go. go ahead. Can, I, can, I, um, can I go to 29? Um, I I grew up in a holiness Pentecostal context. And um, when I needed information about this world that I'm involved in, the charismatic renewal, and I, I needed people who understood what it meant to, to move into gifts of the Holy Spirit. The, the problem is that is that when evangelicals who don't speak in tongues want to tell me how to speak in tongues and the proper way to speak in tongues, they're, they're outside of their sphere. And so I'm looking at this text, and, and, and I was fortunate enough to, to take some, some Greek in Bible college and in seminary, and I learned that there's a distinction between the word other. One is the word other, and it means heteros, and it means other of a different kind. There's another word that is alos, and that means other of the same kind. And so when I read the text and it says, let the others judge, it's not let everybody judge, but let those of the prophetic disposition. In other words, the same kind of people who do the prophecy are the same kind of people who need to evaluate and judge the prophecy. But when you start letting anybody judge, people who don't even believe in prophecy, or, or people, and here's my, my, my I, I guess, the the, the The big thing for me, uh, Patricia and Randy and Josh, is that I really believe the underlying issue is Satan's attack against the prophetic. If he can undermine the prophetic voice of the church and cause people to believe that there's nothing to it, then 2 Chronicles 20.20 no longer has value for us. Put your trust in the Lord and you will be established. Believe the prophets, believe his prophets, not any prophets, but believe his prophets, and you will prosper. So if I can convince the world and particularly the church world, that prophecy is this or that, and it's you you really you really can't depend on it any longer, then we lose, we lose a good bit of the Bible. And we have no ground to stand on and so when we say let the others judge i'm not saying anybody out there can judge paul wasn't saying that either he says let the prophets speak and let the other prophets judge the ones who are prophets i don't think some people who've had no experience at all with prophecy can actually sit and look at it you guys are talking about speaking in tongues uh, just before we come on and uh, several years ago, I was speaking at a church, and this guy started speaking in tongues, and and it was a long message in tongues, and then the interpretation was long. And he finished, and then he started again. And now I'm getting frustrated because he's now taking over the service, and I'm the guy who's going to speak, Patricia. So I said to myself, come on, man, you know what you're doing. So he spoke in tongues. And then he gave the interpretation and to my chagrin, his interpretation was almost a precise outline of my message, which he hadn't heard. And I thought, okay, so maybe I don't know tongues and interpretation, but I I do recognize it when it comes. So the idea that something has to be fulfilled exactly like you thought it was going to be fulfilled begins to be the problem, and so we like naming we are saying I thought he would do this, and the problem with prophecy is what we think it's going to do as opposed to what God says it's going to do that's good yeah
2: can I just in on this um, absolutely on that- that point, um, I, I just so um, appreciate that, especially about the prophetic movement right now, because we have to be um, careful to protect it, because the enemy is definitely wanting to um, crush the whole movement. And the scripture is very clear about not despising the prophetic. In fact, we have to embrace it. In 1 Corinthians 14, uh, one, we're taught by the Apostle Paul, um, that uh, we are to make love our greatest aim, but to desire earnestly with passion the spiritual gifts, and especially that we may prophesy. So I feel like what's going on right now, especially with all the confusion and, um, of, of course, wanting to uh, test things well, is that I think that if, if the church, if we will uh, take a posture of listening well, to one another, but even to those who are in direct opposition to the prophetic, I've always uh, felt, I can always learn from, from, from everyone. And I, I do feel the prophetic is to get stronger, not weaker. We are to get more mm-hmm. accurate, not less accurate. We are to grow in this season. The prophetic movement is extremely young. Um, it's only been since about the sixties and seventies when we started seeing on a larger scale, believers being taught on on mass that they could prophesy, that everyone could prophesy, and being given the training, thanks to people like uh, Bishop Hammond and others um, who uh, taught the body how how to hear from God, how to prophesy, and laid great foundations. Well, now we're in this whole new realm where I believe. Uh, the prophets are to have a stronger voice, not a weaker voice. A stronger voice, and that there's mysteries that have to be unpacked, and it's not going to take just one person, um, uh, you know, giving giving their insight, but multiple voices that will give us a clear picture. And I think that there's um, a a big puzzle with lots of pieces that have to go together. It's going to take some patience, but I do believe that um, listening to opposing thoughts even even from like you know you use the um example of um someone in the prophetic movement versus versus an evangelical that doesn't even believe prophecy is for today there might even be some valuable nuggets that we can take away from that i've always uh, thought myself that i like listening uh to opposition towards myself even that i hear from outside and just put it before the lord and say is there anything that i can grow Uh, from in this, because I do believe that we are going to see a stronger prophetic movement in these coming days than we've ever had, um, have have seen so far. And I think that we're going to be surprised to see how all these puzzle pieces do come together in some way. And so that in a way, everyone's concerns, but everyone's faith and the elements they're they're carrying can be uh, validated.
1: Thank you, Patricia. I really do appreciate your humility. And all and all this as well. It's one of the reasons we get along so well and love having you at our at our conferences and speaking in to our lives. Um I want to tie together two things if I can real quick. Um you know, when Joseph you were talking about, you know, Satan undercutting the prophetic and you know, Patricia, you, you took us to First Corinthians fourteen, which I think is, you know, so appropriate. And there it talks about, you know, you know, we're gonna be building up, encouraging, comforting. That's what prophecy is all about. You know, a lot of people who are you know, that I, that I see and talk to who are, who are reeling. And again, there's some people who are, who are are stable and fine. And there's other people who like, what's going on here, God? I'm, you know, trying to get alone and just hear the word of the spirit. But a lot of people that are, um, are wondering, is it just, you know, should we just not be prophesying these things like no dates, mates or babies, and now maybe no political leaders because like, does it bring honor to God if we get it right, because it's 50-50 basically in America with a two-party system, Um and the fallout for getting it wrong, I mean, we're seeing it right now a little bit. So there's some they are just saying like, okay, even if, you know, maybe we can discuss later some of the stuff that, you know, Bishop Sharona was talking about of whether God even has a preference, but even if he does, maybe we shouldn't just, we shouldn't be prophesying that. What would you say to someone who says those
0: things, who asked that question? Again, I'm going to go to the Old Testament, and, and I'm going to say, that God was fully engaged in choosing kings, acknowledging kings, and when you look at some of the kings he chose, or some of the kings that he anointed, uh, they were not great guys, and so here is God saying to Elisha, anoint Hazael, or Elijah, anoint Hazael, and He's a bad guy. Anoint Jehu. Jehu is going to be a guy who's going to fulfill the purpose of God in dealing with, with the, uh, the idol worship, of, and and he's going to deal with Ahab. The prophets in the Old Testament, Jeremiah spoke to the nations. He did not just speak to the nation of Israel. He prophesied concerning. The various nations surrounding him, and he had words for them. I believe God has words for nations, and that prophets have to speak to nations. Prophets have to speak to leaders. They're called to speak to leaders, and they confront them. Um, when, when Ahaz, and, and, and th- these are these are these are so relevant for me today when I think about the issue of, of crime and the, 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 the terrible, terrible issue of abortion, that if you cannot cry out against those things, then what is your purpose for speaking the word of the Lord? We're not just called to talk to the church, we're called to talk to the world. And of course, the, uh, the, the liberal progressive groups they stolen the phrase, speak truth to power, which was birthed in, among Quakers, not, a, not among politicians. And we are called to speak truth to power, even if it gets us into trouble. So Joash, the king who was spared by the priest Jehoiada, when Joash goes bad, the prophet Zechariah prophesies to him and tells him he was wrong and he stones the son of the, of the guy who's, who saved his life. So when we think we are not called to speak to the nation and to declare the heart of God, we are saying, I don't believe in this stuff in the Old Testament, because the scripture says all scripture not just New Testament, all scripture are inspired by God. So I'm looking at these passages of scripture I'm saying, how can it be that we are not to say something about what's going on? What God offers us is truth. He says to, to us, I'm setting before you good and evil, life and death, blessing and cursing. And then just, just in case you don't know which one to choose, choose life. Okay. And so when we fail to do what God tells us, but God will always give us a choice. But you have to take responsibility for the control piece.
2: Amen. I agree. Um, I agree with everything that Bishop just said. And, um, like, God is definitely interested in everything that takes place in the earth. He created the earth. He put man in the earth. He he gave us dominion. And then he sent his son to, to fix the issues that we had created so that we could have dominion back again. And one of the scriptures I've been reading recently is out of Revelation 5. It says, they sang a new song, verse 9 saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made them to be kings and priests and they will reign upon the earth. And, of course, we have a mandate in Matthew 28, verse 18, where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. So you go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you. So we're actually commissioned uh, for this. So, of course, God wants to give his people insight, and especially Um, and this would be my personal conviction right now, America is in a very, very um, vulnerable and dangerous position right now. It's a time when the church does have to rise up and speak concerning many issues. There's many issues on the table, but I I do have a, a very strong conviction that God was speaking concerning Trump, not only in his first election, but also in this one, uh, were there criterias that were spoken that needed to be fulfilled? And I would say yes. Um, according to many prophets that I heard, there was criteria. I know for myself as well, God gave me 2 Chronicles seven fourteen very strong. He says it's very important that there's alignment um, of my people. And I believe that that what we're facing right now is God being very interested and showing us how important it is that whoever is in the seat of government in a nation is going to steer the nation either for him or against him. And this is absolutely important to God. Um, so I I do feel that it's important. I feel that um, even with the way things are going right now, it, it's going to make the church take, hopefully, further responsibility. At the same time, we know that um, uh, Jesus uh, said when he was arrested, he said um, that his kingdom was not of this world. And if it was of this world, uh, his his people would have fought to release him. But he said, as it is, this kingdom is not my 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 kingdom is not of this world so there's there's a mystery there in that god is very concerned about the natural earth, all it contains, all that dwell therein. Um, He wants us to take positioning in the King of glory, um, the Lord of hosts, who is going to battle for the earth and for its redemption, for the proclamation of the kingdom of God. So he is very much concerned how that plays out in the natural. But we have to rightly divide too, because the political system of this world is definitely of the world. It's not like a kingdom system. Even the democratic voting system is not a kingdom. You won't find a vote in heaven. Um, a kingdom is 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 ruled by the king, not by the people. And so there's there's um, there there's issues there and overlaps that have to be looked at. But I do believe, with all my heart, that God is very interested in who's sitting in the seat um, of authority within a nation, and that the church should be interested in that and given uh to praying through on those levels as well and i mean this particular um election of course there was a lot at stake especially um roe versus wade i mean we've been fighting for that for years and uh you know family values i mean just to name a few israel like pro church pro pro life values all of that uh Uh, Together, There was a lot on the table at at this particular election, but I have to say, I know of people at the same time that we're fighting to see a government and that would uh, protect the lives of of the unborn, or now it's even the born, they can come out of the womb at nine months and and be murdered. Well, we're having a voice to try to protect that. There's Christians pre-election, just months before the election, that were having abortions. There was Christians involved in pornography and homosexuality. We've got to clean up our act, too. So there's, there's, um, there's a lot to be addressed in this hour. But um, I agree with everything that Bishop said, and especially that God is very interested in, in who's ruling and reigning in the nations. And that, that's why we're told to pray. Pray for kings and for those in authority. Not just pray for them once they get in, but pray for them even for their seat. We need to pray.
3: I would, I'd just like to add that one of the things I think that becomes, complicates is when the political systems, parties, become so identified with certain issues, uh, both of which are on both sides, that'd be the heart of God. And, and so Christians, in their sense of voting their conscience, you know, the, the things you mentioned, of course, are, I think are important to God. How we treat aliens is important to God. Uh, how just things are, how fair th- things are, how, uh, how we deal with the poor. Uh, there's a lot of things that different parties have passed in law in the, in the past that I think were, uh, on both sides, Republican, Democrat, God was concerned about. And so, you know, it's kind of like, I think, anyway, that in the last few years, there's been more of a tendency to prefer people in both parties to just to become just total ticket, regardless of issues, just total ticket. And I think we got to be more concerned of where is God's heart and these different things and working toward wanting to see righteous righteousness established and not just part of what's seen to be righteous, but humble enough to say, you know, on, on a, a few issues over here, even though it's not the party I usually vote, I see some things that's really on God's heart too. And I think it'd be for the people of our society if they heard the prophetic voices and prophetic preaching from pastors that was dealing with these issues that are God's heart, it would, um, it'd be better. So that's just a comment. Um,
0: um, I, I really do appreciate uh, what, what you're saying in, um, in, in the sense of people seeing things of value that are important to the world and, and to the heart of God. Um, the challenge that, that I face last year and still face this year is the ability of people to look at something like the issue of abortion, which is horrendous and which I believe as I look at scripture and I listen to some of the redeemed witch doctors from Africa who tell us that human sacrifice is a real pathway to power, but the greater power comes when you offer the life of a child That gets you greater power. And so I no longer see abortion as something in which people are trying to protect life or they're caring about life. I I see abortion as a realm of power that has accrued to a number of people through which they are exercising the kind of things that they're doing. Second Kings 3, when the king of Moab realized that he wasn't making any headway in his battle against Israel. He offered his oldest son as a human sacrifice, and the Bible says a great wrath went out against Israel. And if you disassociate that wrath from the, the offering of the human sacrifice, you totally miss the point. And so when I'm talking to a, a, a Christian and I say, if we had only one thing to battle for, if we had only one thing to vote for, Christians should have voted for and against abortion. Human sacrifice, child sacrifice, when God says in Jeremiah, at least three occasions, three different occasions, it never entered my mind not to tell you. It never entered my mind to tell you, don't do that. It never entered my mind. So I got got scandalized by it. And when Christians, and say, well, abortion, it's an issue, but there are other issues called, like justice. And I'm thinking, well, doesn't the baby get justice? And so we've equivocated certain issues because we want to make friends with a world that is hostile to us. The world system, the political system, is under judgment. And the word dominion, as, as Patricia King used that that word, that's the word that was given to man in Genesis one. Dominion is still the goal that God has. Dominion is still the goal, but there are people who want dominion of the kingdom kind, the kingdom of God kind, and they want dominion of another kind. And I was thinking about C.S. Lewis and the comment that he made um, in in his book, The Great Divorce, he says, there are only two kinds of people in the end, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell, no soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, it's open. So I'm dealing today with people that I know love. God, but they are ignorant in terms of their choices because they are choosing something that's going to produce not only death for them and others. You can forecast, I mean, you could have forecast and just simply say, I know what Mr. Biden is going to do when he comes into office because he's already told me. And so when someone says, vote for me, if you vote for me, I'm going to let you kill babies. Now, when some something like that is given to me as a choice, it's not a choice. And I'm simply saying, if you're going to kill babies, I'm not voting for you. Now, you can be an atheist, but if you're going to kill babies, or if you're not an atheist, or whatever your position is, but there are certain things that are egregiously evil as far as God is concerned. And, and I think the, the scriptures called it, when you help people, who are contrary. And this is the rebuke that that the prophet gave to Jehoshaphat when he came back from his alliance with Ahab. He said, Should the righteous help the wicked? And I'm I'm saying that we will be accountable and we're going to have to pay the price for making the choices that we've made. And it's so like God said to uh, to the children of Israel, He says, He says, I'm not going to be as hard on you, but I'm going to let you serve Egypt for a while so that you can see whether you think serving Egypt and serving me is better. And I think we're in a stage now where you're already seeing it uh, with the decrees and the executive decisions that this current president has made. And I feel like we've gone down that path and we're going to have to get on our knees and do some more of that for 2 Chronicles 7.14 seriously.
3: Thank you, Joseph. I I think for many people who sometimes make comments on television, they wonder how were people able to choose originally in uh, 2016 Uh, Trump. I think there really were for a lot of uh, Christians what you just talked about. If there is one thing that seemed to be the, the most heinous of all, uh, violations, many would have chosen abortion. And so the fact that the, being able to appoint uh, Supreme Court judges became an overriding um, reason for many who wouldn't have approved of some of the lifestyles and statements and things, but they would say that is important enough that I'm going to vote uh, for that. And I think that was not understood by a lot of people, that, yes, there's a lot what I don't like, but this is so important. However, I thought it was really interesting how you brought it to uh, seeing it a perception as a sac- child sacrifice empowering um, uh, spiritual forces in high places uh, through child sacrifice. And uh, whether it's intentional or, or not, I think there is that reality. And it was very, very interesting and helpful.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I thought it was really insightful and also, uh, you know, definitely a good sort of defense for why it was a very important issue and why it continues to be an important issue. I think I would probably just say, um, what do you say to someone? Because right? I think the answer to maybe could Holy Spirit, well, maybe I'll ask the question then. Could Holy Spirit, do you believe it's possible for Holy Spirit to have told someone this last election to have voted for, you know, any insert party besides Trump is that is that something? Given everything that was at stake, do you think that was the only vote that could be cast?
0: Well, I, th- I think um, a question like that for me would be: um, Did the Holy Spirit tell Hosea to marry a prostitute? Um, so we have we, we have analogies in the Bible. That would cause us to wonder, did God really say that to a person? So I want to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, to say that in a wholesale way, that there is a, a capitulation to a wrong, that I see God saying, do not strengthen the arms of evildoers. And so, if you, if you say, can the Holy Spirit do that? I think the Holy Spirit can do a lot of things, but somehow I just don't see the Holy Spirit uh, telling me to do something that's contrary to Scripture. When, when I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, I feel like even if I don't know where it is in the Bible, He knows where it is in the Bible. And if I can hear Him, I can walk it out and almost... After the fact, and and I'm sure every one of us sitting here together talking, we've all had a moment in our life where we did something that we felt like the Holy Spirit was doing. We didn't have Bible for it before we did it. But after we did it, we had Bible and we saw it everywhere. But I don't know if I could see that. I can see God choosing somebody. And here's the issue. Let me just say this. I'm, I'm talking too much, but let me say this. I think the issue with God is stewardship. God would rather have an atheist who's going to be a great steward of his resources than a tongue-talking guy who doesn't care about how things go. And Nebuchadnezzar was an evil man, but God chose him and gave him the power to kill, to make alive. I mean, it's when you just when you look at what the scripture says, it's when Nebuchadnezzar gets in trouble is because he thought he was the person who made it all happen. And that's a so God's just okay. I got to let you know, I'm in charge. You were in control, but I'm in charge and put him out of business for a few years.
1: Did you have anything you want to add, Patricia?
2: Well, I think um, all things are possible in God. It's a little bit difficult for me to imagine God telling someone to vote for Biden, knowing what Biden publicly proclaimed before he was, you know, uh, before election day. Um, but that, that being said, um, now I I believe that all things are possible and that the kingdom is, is uh, kingdom dominion actually rules from the inside out. And so, all Biden needs, all Kamala needs, all that that administration needs is the man of fire to show up, and they could be completely transformed in the way that they think. For example, before I became a Christian, I, um, I didn't see what was wrong with abortion. It was on the table back in the 60s, and I thought, yeah, um, makes sense. Makes sense to me, you know, to my young mind. I thought it makes sense that a woman would have a choice, and if it's not convenient or whatever, um, I didn't even at that point even uh, relate to um, a pregnancy being an actual baby because my mind was not renewed; it was not there. And uh, so I was, I was actually pro-abortion before I got born again as a young young uh, uh, woman in my late teens, early twenties. Uh, but then when I got born again it's like immediately a miracle took place in my thinking. And I began to see life differently. I began to understand things differently, because now the Lord is transforming. And so um, I do believe um, that uh, the church really needs to intercede right now for, uh, for this administration. And of course, no administration is perfect i mean uh, trump is not obviously not a perfect man he's been in high level business for years uh, there's things that go on behind the scenes on on high levels high powers behind the scenes and so we we just have to really pray that the kingdom will be ushered in and god can do that through anyone but as far as it's just hard for me to grasp, you know, at this point, because of what the Lord showed me prior to election, uh, that he would, you know, say, hey, I really want you to vote for Biden to someone. Um, but I think all things are possible.
0: There's a passage in First Kings, um, 1 Kings twenty-one twenty-five. it says, surely there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, incited him. No one like Ahab who sold himself to do evil. And I think where believers are naive is that they don't think that people who have sold themselves to do evil are in office. And I believe there are people in political office, in both parties who have sold themselves to do evil. They are, they are people that God is going to use to, um, to discipline the church for some of the, the decisions that we've made birthed out of prejudice, selfishness, greed, and some of the other things. And I think there are moments in life when the church has to take responsibility for the fact that they did not pray. Patricia King came to our church several years ago and, and she made an incredible statement. She said, "Maybe if we stop criticizing the president, if the church start, stop speaking words of curse and begin to speak words of blessing, we could see a change." Well, it's hard to say to people who have taken what I'm going to call a really strong political position, and I did and identified that political position with the kingdom. Therefore, saying God is in favor of this person or that person, and so my tendency would be, I'm not going to pray for that person. But I was rebuked and I was encouraged, and I said, Yeah, that's right, that is a very strong possibility. And we pray for both The, the day it appeared that President Trump put his hand on the Bible, not Trump but Biden put his hand on the Bible, that's the day we begin to pray for the president and the vice president. And I'm, I'll say this with my tongue in cheek. And I'm praying that he lives a long life and and fulfills his presidency.
3: Amen. I, I'll come in agreement with you on
0: that prayer.
3: <laughs> so, you
1: know, I hear it a lot from bo- both sides of the argument here, but Jesus warned his followers to beware, you know, of the leaven of Herod, um, a lot of times interpreted to be, you know, the political spirit. I'm wondering for 21st century Americans, like how do we guard ourselves against this? And even what does it look like? Because I see a lot of people who are pro one side saying, oh, you're just up in the political spirit and, and you, you know, in the other, in the other way, going both ways, everyone sort of who's casting aspersions toward one another. What does it, what does that mean to sort of, how do you guard yourself for it? What does it mean to be um, given over to the political spirit? Patricia, why don't you go?
2: Yeah, he he said, beware of the leaven of, 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 of the Pharisees and of Herod. So we see uh, kind of a duo there, the religious spirit represented by the Pharisees and the political by Herod. I think those two leavens, and he speaks of leaven in the Bible um, uh, regarding sin, right? So there's sins in the system. There's sins in a religious system. There's sins in a political system that get our eyes off the kingdom. So I feel like... Um, you know this is very simplistic, but I feel like um, as soon as we get our eyes off of the king and the kingdom, <laughs> and we start getting entwined in political manipulations and biases uh, for the sake of like uh, party control or individual control or um, uh, favor, um, then we are we are leaving uh, uh, the rule of God because the kingdom of God is ruled by a king and who is our king. And that is who who we submit to is to our king. And in that, of course, we honor government, we, um, we obey the laws, we, we, we do those things. So I do feel that Christians need to be in every sphere of influence, um, being light, letting our good work shine, um, preaching the gospel. We need to be in the government. Mountain. We need to be having influence upon leaders. But when that system begins to influence us, and creates biases within us that are knit together into the system. We we just have to remember that the political system is a system that's in the world system. That world system is coming down. It's going to burn up. It's going to be overtaken, so we don't want to put our trust in that. We want to keep our trust in the Lord.
0: Amen. The, uh, the, the spirit of Herod think of it like this. I, I think what what we've missed is is the idea that that a Herod does not believe prophecy. And I think our mistake was to assume that the only ones who believed prophecy were the believers. But when Herod asked the question, where was Messiah to be born? the scribes and the teachers said, it's in Bethlehem. And they went to Bethlehem. So he says to the Magi, you guys know the story. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I too can go and worship him. That wasn't what he had in mind at all. What he had in mind was, he is going to be somebody who's going to take over from me. And he saw that. And and so he felt free to kill hundreds of boy babies just to protect his field. What we have failed to believe is that we're all running around saying, God's gonna put Trump in office and, and we're playing the tapes and it's all in social media. And for us to believe that the enemy of the kingdom of God isn't hearing those things. And you remember that story in 1 uh, in Samuel 3, where the Philistines are fighting Israel and, uh, and they're doing a pretty good job. And so Israel says, let's go get the Ark. And when they bring the Ark in, the Ark comes in with a loud, triumphalist kind of deal. The ground shakes. And the Philistine says, we're in trouble. That is the God who wiped out the Egyptians. And then they say this, you guys need to take courage and fight like you've never fought before, or you will become slaves to them like they've been slaves to us. And their fear of what that reality was enabled them to win a battle and capture the ark. I think what we've done, we have assumed that we have the presence of God, but we did not assume that the world system was woke to the reality of the power of the church. And so they began to fight back and the church forgot how to fight. I think Pharisees, I mean, in in fact, in Jesus' day, the Pharisaical system was as political as the Herodian system was. The fact that they were religious didn't mean they weren't political. They were very political. In fact, they said, if we don't deal with this, the Romans are going to come and take our authority, our power from us. That's political power.
3: I have a question I'd like to ask both of you. Do you believe, it deals a little bit with eschatology, do you believe when Jesus comes back and uh, comes to the earth, do you believe that when he comes, he will find society that's totally under the dominion of his rule when he comes, before he comes, I mean, or will there still be areas of society that will, the church will have not uh, brought it completely under its uh, dominion? I, uh, another way to ask the question is, do you believe that as the kingdom is advancing, that it's, and it will always be growing and getting, having a greater influence? But when Jesus comes back, it won't have completely succeeded in bringing dominion over every sphere of, let's say, seven mountains. We'll be improving. We'll be bringing uh, influence, but there'll still be opposition. Or do you believe that he's going to wait until everything is totally under dominion before he comes back?
0: You go, Patricia.
2: Okay, I um, I don't have a lot of um, how can I say a lot of resolve on 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 this, excepting that what I read in scripture, it looks like there's two things that will be happening simultaneously. That's the way that I see it at this point, anyways. Um, is that it seems like there's going to be trials, tribulations, opposition to the gospel. Um, such as has never been seen but at the same time um, a church that is victorious um, definitely i don't see a church hiding out in caves and eating tribulation food um, but but i see um, this the, this glorious church emerging that is uh, set apart for the lord as far as when all the timetable is and everything i'm not so sure i've never even, Uh, paid too much attention to it personally within my own heart because I have a personal resolve to live 100% for Jesus every single day of my life um, in every way that I can, whether it's a time of ease or a time of war, a time of battle, a time of opposition, a time of victory, whatever. I just want to live the same for the Lord. But from what I can see myself in scripture, I see kind of like those Two things happening. We know at the very end of the end, whatever that is, wherever that is, and 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 however that transpires, that we see an eternal kingdom with His people ruling and reigning um, uh, with an eternal King. And so I'm excited about everything that's going to unfold in these coming days. And I'm personally planning on exercising as much dominion authority as I can uh, to see Jesus get what He rightfully came to purchase. And that is um, every soul on the face of the earth.
0: Thank you, Patricia. I'm convinced that God entrusted a message to the church and that he, and not just the message, but a mandate to the church to take the gospel to the world, to make disciples of all nations, and that we are going to face the issue of tribulation throughout the entire period that that the church age is a part of. And where Paul says to the uh, to the church, and I think it's in Iconium or one of those, where he says, through much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is always confronting something. It's always breaking into new ground, and that great doors of effectual service are open to us, but there is always opposition to it. So, the idea that there isn't going to be opposition, but I think opposition is a part of the process, and that what we have now in, in in terms of our mandate to pursue the things of God, is that we have a message. And that message is superior. And, and you've heard the expression, we're not preaching for victory, we're preaching from victory. So if we could understand that we're already victorious, how that's going to play out in the end as to who is going to say to God, your will be done, and who God is going to say your will be done, there are going to be choices. But there is something in me that says, I am not into an escape idea. God gave us a mandate to take dominion and um, he delivered us from dominion, as Paul says in Colossians and brought us into the kingdom of light, his beloved son. And I believe that's a mandate to get everybody and to turn people who are ready to be turned from light to darkness to give them an inheritance among those who are sanctified. That's Paul's mandate. And that mandate means that I do it with this conviction that Jesus sees victory and he sees outcome. And even if I can't see it, I keep working towards that because it's something he sees. And if I can say he sees it, I see it. So I don't believe that he's coming back uh, to something that's empty, broken, and half-heartedly put together. I I really believe he's going to have a victorious display of what has accomplished, and he's going to use people like you guys in the healing ministry and, like, this amazing lady sitting across the screen from me who I've learned so much from over the past few years. It's like looking at that and realizing God really does— have something that he's saying. So if the King of God is like a, a person putting leaven in a lump of dough until the whole lump is changed, I believe God wants to change the whole thing. And that our task is to continue working at that until we see the change come and not and not ending up believing, Well, well, we did okay, but we have more than we had when we got started.
3: Thank you, Joseph. What do you believe? Uh-huh. I believe much like what you guys have said. I believe in a victorious church, not a defeated church. When Jesus comes, I I disagree with the dispensational Seventh Church layout of see as what the end time church is going. I totally disagree with that. Jesus said in Matthew twenty four immediately after the tribulation of those days would become would be the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. So I I believe then um, that. The the that we are to see the kingdom as a leaven and not and this is one of the exceptions to not sin the kingdom was used as model of leaven in the lump it's its goal is to leaven the whole thing but I see when Jesus comes back that He said that in Matthew twenty four the little apocalypse that there's going to be wars and troubles and that's going to happen till the end but I think we're going to see the influence of the the gospel and the the kingdom of God in all spheres of society. Um, So I believe in um, our goal is to not escape the earth, but to win the world is a a book I've read recently and has said in its title. And the other thing I just want to mention that I wanted to say about um, even the desire for dominion, the goal of, of seeing the influence, and I believe that righteousness exalts the nation, but I believe corruption we can see corruption all over the world where there's corruption the people of the nation that's where that's noted for corruption there's poverty and my concern is that we we pray that any aspects of corruption, regardless of where it's at, gets exposed, and that the the uh institutions that our framers gave us that they're as much as possible void of corruption and there is righteousness uh, uh, ruling in the in the halls of our government one last thing I want to say Josh and then I'll let you give what you want to say on this in the pursuit of this desire I think we would all I think be in total agreement that we our warfare is not of this world and we are not to become violent we're not to take up guns we're not to do things in a in a, in a violent way and and I love church history and it was said in the in the 18th uh, century that uh, France had a revolution when Napoleon took over and blood running down the streets and it was just anti very anti-church Tried to de Christianize and secularize uh, France because of the things that would have been going on before. But England had a revival under Wesley and Whitfield, and their revival dealt with issues. So you, sometimes we face revolution and revival. I think God's way is revival, but. Uh, um, and I think we just want people that are watching to hear us saying we're we're not for violent taking up of arms to try to bring about uh dominion through power rather than through prayer and service yeah, amen. that's really
1: good um well, hey, we got a little bit of time left, so you know recognizing that you're both pastoral apostolic you know father mother in the movement um we see, I think, a lot. We're seeing a lot of division, um, sadly, right right now, um, and it's on both sides for sure. For sure, there's you know there's a group of people or a large group of people that are being very dishonoring to prophets. This is not outside our movement. These are people within our movement that are, that have moved away um, and and saying you know terrible things. And there's people who are you know using continuing to use prophetic words to to, to also attack. Other people who have have decided to to begin praying for the you know the current president and and vice president what would you what would be your message to just the church body to to both those groups right now like what what is it what is your unifying message or what would you say to them to those people
2: um, this this is uh really fresh for me because i I posted a video of someone last night that was i thought um A wonderful video. It was done in humility and uh, giving explanation to the people uh, why he uh, repented um, for what he spoke, what he believed out of turn. And I just thought it was a a great model. And I had, uh, within no time at all, 625 comments. Uh, wow. And almost all of them were quite vicious. <laughs> and so I finally took it down. I just took it down and I said, the reason I took this down is I think that we need to wait so that we could have some dialogue over this. But what what I feel is um, James 1, verse 19 and 20, I think gives us some great instruction. And it says, this, you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And I, I just believe that every everyone is carrying something of value. And if we would listen uh, to each one and you know, just affirm those good parts and maybe challenge the others in love, speaking the truth in love, challenging thoughts. I think it's healthy to have really good dialogue where there's differences of opinions, where there's um, debate, uh, but in love, speaking the truth in love. And I would just like to say that I think the greatest um, advice from the heart of God to his church right now would be to just be quick to listen um, be slow to judge, slow to anger, um, slow to speak sometimes, and just just listen because there's puzzle pieces that that need to put together be be put together, and also humility uh, humility doesn't attack each other. It, it listens, it, it it observes it. It, um, you know, speaks truth into a matter for the sake of another, not for the sake of winning an argument, but for the sake of helping another. And I feel like if we could clothe ourselves in love, it would be amazing. I've been absolutely overwhelmed in a in a. Um, you know, in a negative way, actually, when I've seen so much hate and so much anger being spewed out in in the body, and that's a sign that second chronicles seven fourteen coming back to that it's a sign that we have not turned from our own wicked ways. It is wicked to be critically judgmental and slandering and hating and 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 being anger like that so so we we do need to. Um, come into the heart of God so that we can speak his truth in a more uh, uh, in a way that builds rather than tears down.
1: Thank you, Patricia. Thank
3: you for your time. I want to thank you both too and I really appreciate uh Bishop all the scriptures uh, that you uh, shared with us today and Patricia, thank you for your heart as well and scriptures and uh thank you for being on it with us.
1: God bless. Love you, man. Thank you, Patricia.
2: Thank you. God bless.
1: We're going to take a quick break, quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and, and wrap up the series. Thanks a lot.
0: There is a voice that cries in the wilderness, a voice that carries the future. It breathes the air of inspiration. It is a unique copy of an ancient gift a reverberation of an ancient manuscript. At times, it is unquestionably controversial. It is ridiculed and rejected, but vindicated by history. The villain of today and the hero of tomorrow. It contains mysteries yet to be revealed, secrets of things to come. It stands at the door and knocks, and we refuse to let it walk away silently. This voice is ringing out to all who have ears to hear. It is the voice of the prophets.
1: Welcome back. Uh, we're excited about Voice of the Prophets uh, this year. We're excited to have Mark Sharona there with us. Excited to have Patricia King there with us. Um, if you would like to experience that for free, totally free, um, check out voiceoftheprophets.com forward slash giveaway. We know it's an exciting year. Every year we do it, we're excited about it. But particularly this year, we know there's some a real need for it. And also we know that there's going to be a ton of uh, good fruit that comes out of it. So check, check it out voiceoftheprofits.com forward slash free giveaway. And uh, we're going to now bring this last three episodes, kind of this whole story arc to a close here. We're going to uh, bookend this and, and move on to other things uh, in, in the episodes to come. But I wanted to sit down and gather with um, some people on, on staff here. Uh, my father and I did. We have obviously Charity uh, Cook, Global Associate, Travels on our behalf and speaks uh, at a lot of our conferences. She's been with us for, for many, many years. And a new addition to the staff, relatively new, um, is Ben Stewart. He's the director of events. Um, and I thought it was important to bring them on because the whole idea of this last podcast is to really be able to sit down and to, to listen, listen well for understanding and, and to hear uh, the people that you've been like, you know, maybe during this season you've been concerned when you've we've been seeing some of these things. Uh, play out, and uh, it's it's caused you to think one way or another and, and maybe even start to pull away and surround yourself with just other people who think exactly like you. And so in our ministry, just as within the body at large, we have a wide variety of different beliefs, particularly political beliefs um, and beliefs even theologically on some of these issues, uh, and I thought it would be a really good uh, demonstration for everyone else to see, like, look, here's people who can mutually submit to in love to one another and to work together really well and to, you know, have interesting conversations at lunchtime but ultimately know that we're here serving the same king and for, called for the same purpose to advance that kingdom. Uh, and so I thought, like, okay, you've now been watching these last episodes and, and listening. Um, and so, you know, I asked them to, you know, prepare, like, what do you think is one thing that you learned from a side that you is maybe not be your home team or your own side. It's like that. that's outside of where I was, but but I heard them. And this is what I, f- I found that was encouraging in that. And the other thing is just so the other people can hear, like, what are you concerned about? What are you not necessarily fearful of? But just like, what are these things that we need to be on guard about so that someone who might find themselves in that position because like, oh, you know, what? I recognize that. And maybe we need to help internally police that as well. So I've asked them to come along only because not only they are amazing and they are also steeped in wisdom and are incredible uh, men and women of God, but also you're going to see a lot more of them as Building Bridges podcast progresses because we've been sort of brainstorming different ideas for uh, upcoming episodes and each of them have have kind of picked different ones and have been assigned different ones. And so I want you to get to hear them and, and know them now because you're going to start seeing them with greater regularity in the future. So Charity, it's been an amazing three weeks. I know you don't necessarily want to be doing this right now, right? I know it's <laughs> not like like all of us are like, oh man, this is a really, it's a charged topic. We get that. What did you did you hear from these last episodes? Um, You know, obviously, we just heard from Patricia and uh, Joseph Garlington today, but also, you know, we had Mark Sharona before and Kim and Chris. Um, What did you hear that was encouraging that was outside where you were beforehand? And I don't know. Well, I do know where you were beforehand, but maybe they don't know.
4: Well, I think for me, when I have really thought about it, the thing that really encouraged me, it's not necessarily where um, it's not that I wasn't here. It was an affirmation of something which is just in all that we do going in with the Beatitudes, that that is our heart. So whatever position we hold, um, especially in the political arena, whether, you know, whichever side of things we're on, um, that we go in with that that heart to serve and going in with the the Beatitudes. Um, I think the other thing that, that probably made me think a little bit is just uh, – I think it was Mark's statement about speaking truth to power and just recognizing the importance of, um, regardless in the Old Testament, regardless of who, you know, the prophets maybe anointed someone to be king, but then they would still speak the truth and God's truth and holding people accountable um, to God's heart. And so. That was one of the things I loved about it.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Joseph, you know, talked about that that term truth to power had been largely co-opted by a, a left-leaning political progressive party, but really it goes all the way back to the Old Testament of the, the prophetic mean, function, yeah. speaking Whoever's truth to power. Using it,
4: right. we're supposed and, to be speaking truth to exactly. power, to people who aren't in power, we're supposed to be speaking truth. Right,
1: exactly. Yeah. That's good.
5: Ben, what about? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I came in... To this, uh, with and the, you're from Canada, I should say, democratic, <laughs> yes, socialist, so, oh, more, you. yes. So right? I'm the I, I'm the. So left we know where penko. you're at. What side, All right, right. <laughs> um, no, but I did come from one. I come from a vineyard background. My dad was a vineyard pastor. Grew up um, in he was on the board of Vineyard Canada. Steeped in Wimberism, we didn't preach politics from the pulpit, and so I was always of the belief and have remained of the belief that we shouldn't preach politics from the pulpit, politics from the pulpit, and that we shouldn't prophesy presidents and political leaders that God has chosen this person or this person. Um, So certainly was more coming in in line with Mark Trona's position, Um, that that was an Old Testament thing that kind of more ceased. Not that God wouldn't necessarily know who would be, but that it's pretty dicey to get into that. Um, And so that was kind of my position. That was my position coming in. Um, Listening, honestly, one, having wrestled with a lot of what's gone on through this season, I just loved the humility that I heard from, I mean, Kim and Chris and Patricia and, you know, some of these things, I wasn't sure what I would get, having not had personal interactions with them, uh, some with Kim, but not the others. Um, I loved their humility. Um, I, I loved the humility of, uh, especially Chris and Kim, as they kind of looked at that, even just whether or not we should be doing that. They were willing to even consider that the falling out of that. Um, and then f- I was really encouraged that Patricia was today um, in your interview with her was really able to articulate so well and so clearly that while we operate in these political atmospheres, uh, that's a system of man and that it is going to come down. Like in that, in the fullness of the kingdom, there is not going to be Democrat, Republican, democracy at all. Like the, this whole political system, this whole thing, it's that's not that's a system of man, that's a system of this world that is not going to be in the fullness of the kingdom. And so and just recognizing that, okay, right, we taking a step back, we're operating inside a system of man. And seeing then we can work out the ramifications of that, that work, that's one of those in the world, not of the world then. And it it really matters theologically then when we start seeing our role, because we do have people who are called into the political realm, but we have to see that in not of when we're going into that political realm, right? And so if we recognize we're redeeming a system of man, but it is a system of man. So that really encouraged me um, to hear her articulate that well today. That's good.
1: What about yourself? Sat there, front row seat for all the action, what was your takeaway?
3: I think one of the things I appreciated out of getting to listen to everybody was it helps keep it helps prevent us from demonizing people of a different viewpoint when we know them and when we can dialogue with them about bigger issues and see that you know for them Jesus is king they want to uh, they want to fulfill uh, what they feel would he would want for them they may differ on what that is but you get past the, some of the particular specific beliefs to a deeper commitment i'm committed to jesus i'm committed to his church and it's hard to, to, to um, it's hard to demonize people and i think that's one of the things that i want to see come out of this whole thing is we could see beyond positions to hearts and when we could see the hearts then we could you know not speak <laughs> Of uh, somebody because they actually hold a position, able to separate the person from a position they may hold. Not that I agree or disagree with certain ones, Um, you know. I I do find things I agree with and things I wouldn't disagree. uh, I would disagree a little bit with, but beyond that, I I could say, and these people really love. They really do love God. And love his church, and we need to figure out how do we uh, walk together in love and honor in such a way that people can tell that we're his followers because the way we love one another. And I thought of it this way: sometimes it it seems like some of the uh, people we had on would have been like um, sitting down around the fire, uh, campfire with Jesus when he introduces his uh, two newest recruits to his band of brothers. Uh, I'd like to introduce you, uh, Matthew, the tax collector. And also I'd like to introduce zealot. you uh, the zealot over here, uh, who would, you know, they, they actually would have been the polar opposites. The, the, the first person the zealot would like to just get rid of would be Matthew. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that the, the disciples are saying, boy, geez, is pretty inclusive (laughs) on who he allows into his his camp. (laughs) And uh, I think that that's a great object lesson that he was able to bring people Mm -hmm. together from the opposite camps.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's amazing. In fact, for me, I was thinking back and I think I learned a lot on each of the episodes, actually, um, things that I disagreed with and disagreed with. But for me, the one I think that was the most you know, Im- impactful was at the very beginning, actually, um, when Mark and Chris were kind of having the back and forth and it was becoming uncomfortable a little bit. I mean, it was like, OK, they're we're these are these are tough conversations to have. Um, and. Yet instantly you saw when like there was, you know, a a hurt or an offense that was there. Mark was so quick, right? To be like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not discounting that or you or your ministry. And then just spoke in love. And like, even though they definitely disagree on a lot of these issues, it's like, that's, it's not worth to be right. You can still be wrong while being right. And so like, it's most important that we, that we maintain this connection and this unity Mm -hmm. and that we, we operate in love, in humility, um, and I thought that was just you know really encouraging for me to see because like okay we can do this we can disagree and do it in an honoring loving way that can allow us to to get better and to, and yeah. to and
3: to you know to move forward. So I, I thought that was great. Yeah, one of the things that really touched me on that first one was the way that there was a mutual respect mm-hmm. and love between all three of them mm-hmm. and honoring the others and it just
5: I, I that was. Very, I thought, impactful. Yeah. yeah. I think that blessed God for sure. Yeah. And I just, I thought it was, you could see that these people have thought these things through deeply. Like this is, yeah. these aren't quick decisions. Like these are, they've they've wrestled with these things and they're also, but but they hold the king, the kingdom, and then their relationship with each other, even above their positions. You know what I mean? Like... Mm-hmm. Mark wasn't going to throw out his love for Chris and even Kim, who he was just meeting, you could see like instantly he was like making a connection. There was like that bond of Christ, that that love what we have in the family was there. And I think it was was a a thing that we see where it's like, uh, it showed me that what we're trying to do with these podcasts, we can do, Mm -hmm. which is set an example of... We're not actually trying to solve these problems. We're not trying to give people the answer to, you know, politics and prophecy and what we should be doing with that. We're trying to show people and get to people and say, talk to each other, talk to people you disagree with, Mm -hmm. actually hear their hearts and realize you can disagree and be brothers and sisters in the Lord and love each other and walk together. And that the podcast has shown me, oh, we can definitely do that. And I think, and I think I hope that people will And and having moderated some of the comments, what I've seen is we are seeing some of that in there because it's like they'll start out, you know, people start out a little fired up, but as it goes on, it it becomes, even just throughout the episodes, they become more and more temperate and relational. And it's like, okay, right, I think the Lord has us doing this for a reason. Mm
1: -hmm. Amen. So, now, sort of the other thing is like, okay, this is what concerns me about what the other the other side's position or what they're saying or just sort of where this is going right now in, within the movement. Um, so I'll start with you, Charity. What is it that is concerning you that we should listen to and really sort of internally wrestle with so we safeguard against those things?
4: Um, I think the thing that kind of made me pause a little bit is um, maybe the strength with which Christian nationalism was talked about. and And I don't think Mark was applying it across the board, but it felt a little bit like if you believed in the prophetic words, that you are now a Christian nationalist. And so I, that would be my concern is that would be somebody who was on the side of we shouldn't be prophesying. It would look at their brothers and sisters and say, hey, you believe this, you need to repent. And so my big thing I would be concerned about is that people would use um, a quick label as a stone to throw. And I just remember one time um, seeing some things I didn't agree with in some friends. And I was talking to the Lord about it and just saying, you know, aren't I right? And, and the Lord said, I will never give you stones to throw. And he was saying, you know, there's one that stands before me, two that stand before me with the faults of men. One accuses and one intercedes. And who do you want to be like? Mm. And so just recognizing, I think there's a real truth in what Mark was saying that we need to hear. And I think it's a time for every person to really examine their heart. Um, and so I think that's really important. But I also wouldn't want to see people not listening and just using a quick label, but where they're, they're able to sit down and um, in humility have the conversations that we're having. Mm-hmm.
5: It's good. So good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think you're right because I think, it's really easy to jump to that. I mean, again, you know that I'm somebody who was, and I said just a minute ago, I was of the opinion, but I, I certainly don't think that if somebody believed the prophecies or put faith in those, that that means they're a Christian nationalist. But I, we got to be so careful because as soon as we start picking up labels, I mean, we were in a meeting recently where people were throwing around labels and it's, I'm just like, we got to be careful because people throw labels at us all the time as a, charismatic movement, I'm like, that we don't ascribe to ourselves, right? And so, we can't do that to others. It's like, all of that creates division. And I'm like, it's not helpful. Um, and I think that for me is along the same lines as what concerns me about preaching and prophesying politics is it creates division. It says God is Republican or God is Democrat in terms of in this election, right? So, it's if we say God is of this party, then everybody who's voted or ascribes to the views of this party is not Christian or is not of God. And it creates a division, a partisanship within the church and within God that isn't there, doesn't exist, where we're becoming an exclusive rather than an inclusive group. And so, um, it concerns me that there was still a feeling that it is uh, a good thing to do. Now, I understand, like, I do understand our call towards dominion, but I do see it personally very differently in terms of uh, service going low. Jesus was leading through serving. He took his throne by going to the cross. Uh, his followers were asking him to throw out Rome even after he went to the cross and he didn't. There was, you know, his kingdom was not of this world, all of these things. There was constantly calls for him to ascend to the top of the mountain at that point. And he kept saying, it's not how it's going to happen. He kept going lower still. Um, I believe we can serve in the political realm, but I think we have to be very careful to not ever try to, become dominant, take over, push down. And when we start to say, we've got to have this guy who, or this party take over to implement God's will, we start to exclude people. We start to become exclusive. We start to become a force that is very divisive, potentially. And that feels very not of the heart of God and of the gospel to me. And so, there was some concern for me that I, that was still in some of the talk for sure. And I, and I hope that we don't repeat this cycle because I've heard so much that every election is the most important election of my lifetime. You know, I mean, I've lived here a number of years now, and f- f- several elections and each one has been the most important election. And I'm like, we just keep on this cycle. And I'm like, and it seems to be ramping up and I'm like, we got to wind down and get back to just loving people into the kingdom. Uh, and seeing the culture change that way. So that's where I'm at. Thank you.
3: I think, uh, as I think about this three meetings that we had, uh, my mind goes to the fact that the church doesn't always grow the fastest in the most, uh, what looks like it'd be the easiest place to grow. Sometimes the church grows the fastest uh, in t- in places of persecution. Like right now, uh, one of the fastest growing uh, churches in the world is Iran, and under you know Islam, and uh, it's persecuted, but it's growing just very very rapidly. Uh, another place that is a few years ago, it was growing the faster than anywhere else was Cambodia. We would just gone through it had gone through genocide. That they had been under communism and had been under you know this just you know terrible situation. But it was growing. Where it's growing, one of the places is growing the fastest is under communism in China. Um, the so that the church is bigger than the political system, and we have brothers and sisters that are communists, socialists. Um, Republicans, Democrats, uh, of, of, of all parties. And, uh, so I think it's, it's important to distinguish that it, the, the success of the church really isn't dependent upon whether the right party, regardless of the name of the party, is in place. That, the, the, the uh, places of where judgments are made, the gates, uh, even if they're occupied by the enemy, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so I, I just believe that uh, regardless, we may get worried. So this, you know, uh, this party's now in this place. This is a politician. Whether what country it may not even be in the United States. We don't have to worry because the gates of hell will not prevail against the church no matter how bad it may look at times. And there's times that it really looked bad for the church. And in the midst of it, God used it for his glory. Yeah,
1: and uh, to that point, I think there's times when it really, on the outside, looked good for the church. You know, we get a state-controlled church and government, and ultimately, you know, Puritans escaped persecution and came here and founded our nation. So, I mean, kind of definitely goes both ways there. I think the thing that I'm most... Concerned with I think and I have been concerned a little bit um, during this last season is just the Sort of the the rhetoric and you know the power of life and death is in the tongue and just the way in which you know if it was one, you know, Sunday morning service or you know a podcast, it was all of them where it was just like listen. This is not about Republican and Democrat This is good and evil. This is life and death and it's like okay when you are using those terms Right after you use those, the the only thing I mean, it's easy to connect those dots. Like it doesn't take you know um, a rocket scientist to figure out. Okay, well you've just compared these people with now that, and so now you to your point, you've 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 created. It's it's hard to have unity with if those are the two you know choices. Um, and so that you know the the elevating of that temperature, I think to to this boiling point, it's kind of what I i'm most concerned with and figuring out some way like like you know you you said today just that you know there's and you said even i think almost every one you've probably said that you know there's elements of this platform that are represented in the heart of god and there's elements of this platform that are represented in the heart of god and um you know i think coming with that kind of humility and understanding would allow us to say like okay for me this is the most important thing. This is why God has placed me on this earth, right? But I'm one member of the body, right? So, I'm going to go and I'm going to champion for this cause with a recognition that like you represent a different aspect, right? I'm not going to cut off the nose because it doesn't do what I do as hearing, right? It has abuse and it it has a function. And so, I think recognizing that we're all part of the body and we all are uniquely endowed with gifts and certain passions that Holy Spirit has placed in us to represent him well. And that might mean politically we end up on two different, um, you know, sides of, of an issue because we're having to exercise our, you know, civic duty and right and feel like, well, this is what I think I, am going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for That doesn't mean we have to break, um, fellowship and, 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 and be divided, um, spiritually, um, were you going to say something? You want to jump in here? I can tell you want to jump right in. So go ahead. You jump in. You
3: know me well, son. Yeah, go ahead. You know me yeah, well. Right. I can't believe I can see it. up on that. Yeah. yeah, what you were saying, I just think what I want to see is the prophets addressing both all, all the spectrums. Yeah. The prophet is not to be Republican or Democrat. The prophet is to be uh, a doulos, a, a slave of Jesus Christ representing his heart. So whether that's Dealing with abortion, or dealing with um, how we treat the aliens within our borders, or how we treat the poor, or how we how we treat the widow, how and what and, and 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 we need prophetic wisdom and wisdom amongst politicians that are Christian on both sides to ask how do we answer some of these issues because the answers of the past that were rooted in good reasons that were biblical reasons, even the outcome of it wasn't what we had hoped for. And it actually sometimes had a negative outcome, so we obviously must have missed the strategy of God. It's almost like prophecy. You can get the revelation, but you can miss the interpretation or application. I think that's also true about hearing, feeling the heart of God as a believer, whether you're Democrat, Republican, or independent. We may have God's heart. All three of them can have God's heart about these social issues. But then how to interpret uh, that heart, and even more importantly in the political realm, how how do we then get the strategy or the application that deals with the greatest wisdom to bring the best solution to these problems? And that's where I'd like to see people not vote down, not even in not even in in Washington D.C. where they don't want to cross the aisle too much, that they're able to say this is a godly issue, and they are able to find each other—Democrats, Republicans, and and, and independents—and and and work on issues based upon the heart of God, and being able to know each other well enough to when they hear when he said, "My sheep hear my voice." <laughs> If we have people who are Christian, but, but in politics, they're still sheep. He's still the shepherd. Mm-hmm. There ought to be a more common hearing of his voice that's not colored so much by the other voices of just just politics, a party line politics. That I think we're going to have a stronger country when we move past such divided politics right now and demonizing both sides. and and the unforgiveness towards uh, things of the past that cause it looks like it's almost like we're spiting our, cutting off our nose to spite our face, so to speak, knowing that there's nothing good that's going to come out of this except um, utilizing power to humiliate somebody or something. I think that if we can have more forgiveness and more crossing the line that we might meet each other, another believer, or someone may not even be a believer, but they're, they're still sensing the heart of God in it. We'll be better off.
5: I, I think we I think we do disservice to the church and to the advancement of the kingdom and to our witness when we label somebody not a Christian or whatever. And it happens all the time simply because they're a liberal, a Democrat. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they get cut out of the church. I mean, we were both ways, both ways, and because they're conservative. I've listened yeah, yeah, CNN t- a lot, totally. and I've
3: listened to Fox Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely, and it happens on both. It happens on both <laughs> sides. And
5: then, I was speaking earlier about my my father, who's. Uh, huge heart for, you know, my dad, and he's got a huge heart for the poor, the widows, the orphans, does great work overseas, yeah. and therefore tends to go more on the democratic side of the aisle. And people have told him, well, he's left the heart of God. He's left the church. He's left Jesus behind because he's more concerned. And I'm I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what are we doing? And so, but if we can say, no, no, look, God's concerned with both of these things. He's in all of it. Mm-hmm. We can, as you're saying, it's, it's so much broader there's a place for you who are concerned with all of this because God's heart is for all of his people. And then all of a sudden our witness is greater, not less than. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things we have to be very careful about is just not an issue of the church. It's even for
3: even for our nation is when we become so politicized and thinking, well, that's a Republican issue or that's a Democratic right. issue that we almost get to where we can't hear we're clogging up our hearing for the voice of the Lord say, no, I'm concerned about that,
4: you know, on both sides, you know.
1: Yeah, it's almost like that's the first filter by which we process things. And if I hear it's a liberal or I get the sense that it's got progressive nomenclature attached to it, I instantly think like that's a liberal policy. I know I'm against it, even if there is an element of the heart of God in it. Or same way, conservative, like, oh, nope, I'm not for that. They must be racist, so I'm not going to. To, to be a part of that. And it's like, well, no, that should not be your first filter. Like that probably I mean, should be a filter way down the line, but you should process that with Holy Spirit and be like, what's, what, what do you see in this God? What, right. what do we think about this?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Anything?
1: No to add? Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing that was interesting there, I think when you talk about it's kind of like prophecy where you can get the word and miss the application is for me. And, you know, because i know you know a lot of people and i would be like well i'll just make the argument on their behalf who would say you know like yes of course you know life is super important like of course that is no one no one wants but but what's the way in which we preserve life the best right particularly in light of where we're at now with the supreme court sort of the composition seemingly like okay if it's ever going to happen if this strategy was ever going to work and it has been a strategy that we've been you know Tying our hits to or whatever for a long time. Um, if it's ever going to work, certainly it's going to work now because of the composition. Um, so then, how do we get those abortion numbers down? And certainly, you know, having a strong stance for you know pro life and voting those is, is one you know way. And I don't you know judge someone ill for 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 choosing that way. But I would also just point out that you know there's you know you know I was talking about this you know earlier is that you know first century Rome and Greece, you know, had a lot of infanticide and exposure where they were just leaving kids out. You know, some were being taken as slaves, some were being eaten by dogs, some were getting taken. So that, that was kind of like there's a, a good bit of historical evidence and archaeological evidence to support that. Well it was a semi common practice back then. Um, we don't hear Jesus talking about it a lot. We do know, however, that the early church was adamant on founding the first orphanages and realizing that like when I apply the gospel message to my life today, it, it compels me to solve this problem, right? And so, I think we're all being compelled to solve that problem. There are multiple ways that that solution might come. Um, and so, I think giving space for people to say, your your way has, we've tried it. I'm, I'm not convinced it's, 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 it's being effective. So, I want to try a different approach and a different tactic, and saying, but, "But, but, we're all in agreement as Christians that yeah, that's not good. We don't, we don't want that." Um, and so, I think that um, for me is making sure that gives space. And that goes back to the when you ratchet up that temperature and you make the bright line with your words that say that can't have been God can't be in that. That for me becomes a oh man, that's what I'm concerned with because that it's hard to find unity with that, with that bright line. Um, so that's what I would you know say I'm concerned with. Anything you want to say or close or...
0: Well,
3: I would say that uh, I had a wonderful interview with uh, Robbie Dawkins and he's going to be, that interview is going to be coming up real soon. It's not going to be part of a series, but it was like James Bond type thing. You know, it was it was crazy. And it was, I'm so glad I don't have such a wonderful story to tell. I never <laughs> want to have a, a story like that to tell because uh, I, he really came close, I think, to, you know, being martyred. I being think martyred. it like he was almost yeah, martyred. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was close. It's incredible. And uh, it, we're going to have him on. I'm looking forward to it. And then I just, you know, for, we put a book in, so we're kind of looking forward now, uh, something that I think you you have some interested in, interest in, and it's the, um, it's the H word.
1: Yeah. 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 One Maybe of the things we're going to do next, yeah, the the H word, the heresy. So we're, we throw that word around a lot. And so we want to, as we move past this and begin to start doing other things, I think we're going to, we're going to do a, an episode where we just say like, okay, here's what we, we know to believe for us is like orthodoxy so the people that come and they watch they know okay we're not gonna we're gonna have conversations and be open about challenging one another but we're never going to challenge one another past those sort of safe boundary lines and so we're going to sort of delimit sort of the meets and the bounds of what that might look like um, for us uh just so that people who are tuning in for the first time know kind of okay where where do you guys stand okay that's a safe place i'm willing to to have open dialogue and conversations about difficult things because I know we're we're, we're always going to be on the straight and narrow, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I think
3: it's needed because uh, uh, someone who has, has written about some of the things I'm involved with, it, it, it starts out with, I'm not even sure charismatics are Christian. And then it gets broader. I'm not sure Pentecostals are Christians. And then it gets broader. So, uh, uh, it, it, if you read it closely, he said, I am not even sure about Arminians, you know, in the sense of you know, Wesleyans or Methodists or, or uh, wow. in the kingdom. And and pretty much, and I'm almost certain the Catholics aren't, you know, and so the sense of what that person's H word would be in mine would be very, very different. And I think one of the things we do need to do is just deal with what really is uh, the absolute e- essence of believe this to be Christian and what is. Well, that's not heresy, Is that's just bad theology. You know, th- that's not heresy, that's just a wrong interpretation of that scripture. Y- you're not a heretic for believing that, um, but these you would be. Yeah, I'm and That's that. gonna I be good. interesting. Yeah, really, think. really interesting. And I'm yeah. so glad you're going to do that. And I'm just going to sit back and watch you <laughs> yeah, shine. Sure. Just, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: Well, thank you. I'll just leave you with this. You know, One of the big things that I've been through this season um, as we've been doing these episodes is um, just really, what is the heart of the Lord in this? What, what Holy Spirit, what would you speak to me through the different people that have spoken, particularly those that I know, you know, and I'm already leaning in a different direction. So I really want to lean in and listen close and, and try to throw away all the preconceptions and, and ideas, because I want to, I want how do I take your truth, the gospel message, and how do I apply it in my life? And I think, you know, that's why I love the, you know, the end of the second chapter of Acts there, where it's talking about the fellowship of the believers after Holy Spirit's been poured out. It says, you know, starting in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Um, and so, that for me is like, these people, it wasn't the gospel they were hearing and devoting themselves to when the apostles were teaching. It was, how does the gospel message, how does the fact that Christ is now king of the world, right? He is now enthroned. How does that, how does that play out in my life now? How does that change how I should behave? How does that change and affect how I need to comport myself? Because it's revolutionary, right? It's it's a whole new way of thinking and it takes sometimes a lifetime of study and learning and 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 listening and and pruning to to get good at and that's all we're really doing here is we're saying god like in these next seasons as we move forward and it's another three years go by and we come to another political cycle lord Give me fresh eyes to say, how do I apply the gospel message of Christ, God being King of the universe now and forevermore? How do I apply that to my daily life? And how should that affect the way I behave and talk to one another and encourage one another, not just brothers in the Lord and sisters in the Lord, but those outside the church as well? So I just you know, commend you to doing that and doing it this is just a a blueprint recipe for the the church being the church you know they have the large fellowships in the temple they have small house church fellowships and they talk about these things they submit themselves to leaders and they're learning and they're growing and so that's what we're attempting to do here and we thank you for, for watching this episode and we look forward to new topics in the future God bless
5: The Building Bridges podcast is a media resource of global awakening If you'd like even more resources like this one, consider subscribing at globalondemand.tv. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at globalawakening.com.